Uh, good morning, everybody. <laughs> Guys, can we uh, pray? Lord, I thank you, Father, you would gather us here. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you have a word for us, that you've never left us unattended. And please place your words on our heart this morning. Amen. <coughs> Try again. Two trees and righteousness, solid food for the mature. That's where we're going on this uh, nature, of the, the nature of the two trees that we've been discussing, that we started discussing last week, the two trees in Eden. Thanks very much, Steve. Yeah, well done. So I want to try to recap what we looked at last week, the two trees in Eden, the tree of knowledge and the tree of life. Last week we discussed that we are travelling from a new and pure paradise to a forever pure paradise. Now remember, the first three chapters of the Bible are mirrored in the last three chapters of the Bible and what else, the, what else is in the middle is the journey from paradise to paradise. And the only difference between a first paradise and a second paradise is that the second paradise is going to be permanent because evil has been defeated. Evil was present in Eden. <coughs> Excuse me. Evil was present in Eden and it had not been defeated. But by the time the second paradise comes, evil is defeated. Revelation 20. Uh, evil is thrown into the lake of burning sulphur. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is gone. Therefore, the new paradise is safe forever from <coughs> the interjection of evil into it. Now, we discussed that there are two trees in the centre of Eden. One has seduced us, the other has saved us. The tree of knowledge seduces us, the tree of life saves, it because, uh, saves us because it is the tree of life. And the third thing we mentioned last week that I want to bring to your uh, mind is that faithfulness is only possible when unfaithfulness is available. And that's what happened in Eden when uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil was placed in Eden. At the centre, in the place of priority, I imagine beside uh, the tree of life. Adam had the choice. He had the opportunity to prove to be faithful because unfaithfulness was available. We all, live the we all live the result, we all know the result. But Adam, if he hadn't had the choice, would never have learned what faithfulness was. He'd also never have learned to celebrate, but that's another discussion. If you want to uh, read your soul snacks tomorrow, if you subscribe to them, uh, we're talking about tomorrow's soul snack is something else that Adam, Adam learned in Eden because of the tree of knowledge's presence. Something that we've learned today. Anyway, let's have a look at Hebrews. Now, I don't want to be unkind to us, and uh, this is not about us uh, per se, because the author, of he the author of Hebrews gives the readers a caning in this next passage, in kindy Christianity, is what I call it. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. So whoever wrote the book of Hebrews is giving the people he's writing to a dead set caning for not growing up. He goes on and he says, you need milk, not solid food. 
Now, this is the, this is the, the point I want to make. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. And that's what Jesus comes for. He comes to us to give us righteousness. If we were acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, it would prevent us from many sores and pains and wickedness that assail us. It would take us into the deeper things of faith because solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The righteous person is able to distinguish good from evil. But I hear too many times constantly Christians or people claiming to be Christians that cannot distinguish themselves uh, to cannot distinguish in themselves good from evil. The message for Christians today is the seeking and the training of ourselves in righteousness because that's what Christ came to give us and to die for us and clothe us with, the mantle of righteousness. It's righteousness that takes us into eternity. Living in faith is all about living in righteousness. Now, with the continual uh, immoral debate that we have, I've spoken in various different churches at various different times, including the Uniting Church. And somehow a letter was passed on to me two years ago to pray a prayer in the church I was speaking at at the time. And that was the time when um, the whole uh, gay marriage thing was, was up in arms. And... Uh, Whoever wrote the letter was the Archbishop of the Uniting Church at the time. I don't know, it was a lady, I don't remember her name, and I don't have the title Archbishop, but it was a numero uno. And in that prayer they asked that we would all find peace and that what the Uniting Church was accepting was the marriage of homosexual people. Now, that was written by a lady who was numero uno in the church, who could not distinguish good from evil. The leader of the church. I was in America in 2002 when the Bishop of New York, I think it was New York, a guy called Robinson, ordained, his, ordained the first Anglican homosexual priest. Over there it's called Episcopalian. Now guys, What's happened to our churches that we cannot dis distinguish good from evil and it's our leaders that cannot distinguish good from evil? It's got to get back to the fact they don't understand righteousness. They have not added, uh, added solid food to their diets. But the writer to the Hebrews says, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. That's what the mature do. Now, my son's a big man. I look, he, looked like a, he looks like what I would look like if I had to put all the effort into, into these uh, weights that he does. And so my wife looks enviously at him and says, darling, you could have looked like that one day. Nevertheless, he puts a lot of effort into keeping his body fit, immensely fit. If he wasn't my son, and I see him walking down the road, I'd probably cross to the other side of the road. 
He's fearsomely big. Now, nevertheless, he puts, and most of us to some extent, give our bodies a lot of attention that we can stay strong and train our bodies. But the foolishness in that is that we're not training that which is eternal. Of course, one day our bodies are going to be on the brown side of the grass and return to the, gra- return to the dust that we were made from in originally in, uh, in Genesis 1, Genesis 2. So the challenge is for us as Christians to train ourselves in the seeking of righteousness, to train ourselves in the distinguishing of good from evil. Then we will be mature and strong in faith. So two reflections at this point. Righteousness is the everlasting fruit from the tree of life. Wickedness is the everlasting fruit from the tree of knowledge. The opposite of righteousness is wickedness. They're both going to last. One's going to last forever in hell. The other's going to last forever in heaven. To my mind, it's not a hard decision to know what I want to pursue. Righteousness and the tree of knowledge are not bed partners. Let me make that very clear. Righteousness seeks purity. The tree of knowledge invites a delightful impurity. Now, what the tree of knowledge does for us, it entices us, it tempts us, as it did in Eden, it still does it these days, with something that gives us pleasure. So it tempts us with something that gives us pleasure. So we weaken and agree to its, um, its wisdom, its invitation. But what we don't understand is the second state becomes worse than the first. And he's not going to tell you. Satan will not tell us that the second state is worse than the first when we give in to temptation. He tells you whatever is... Whatever you're trying to escape through this temptation, through giving in, is actually going to be better. Was it during the week? No, no, it's something else I'm thinking. I'm getting confused. Sorry. What Satan gives us is the opportunity to make life worse for ourselves, not make life better for ourselves. The tree of knowledge invites compromise. Did God really say? And then bombards us with the compromise. It tells us and tells us and tells us again. How opportune are the TV TV ads that make us continually dissatisfied? You can have the new car, you can have the new lounge suite, and you don't have to pay for it for five years. No interest at all, and you start paying in 2025 by the time you need a new allowance week. You know how it goes. Now, that's good information to say, I need to have the new allowance suite. But it's not good information that puts me in a better position because I'm going into debt and I'm multiplying the debt and then that debt's going to hurt me. The more I increase that debt, the more it will hurt me. Now, the food from the tree of knowledge is always tainted. It might be good food, it might be good knowledge that you're gaining, because it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But it is not pure food. It's tainted. So I might learn something quite brilliant about medicine, 
No, I couldn't learn something quite brilliant about medicine. But just imagine that. <laughs> I might learn something quite brilliant about medicine, and it's going to help the world, but it's going to give me pride. So that piece of information that I was thinking about, that I learned, and I can help people, is going to build me up with pride. So the good knowledge is still tainted. And of course, the knowledge can do a lot of other things to us. As we let the taint of eating from the tree of knowledge further go through our soul. For our soul. Remember that. That what I'm getting from the tree of righteousness is pure good knowledge. I can't get wickedness because there is no wickedness. Righteousness and wickedness are on the other are opposites. But I can get wickedness from the tree of knowledge even when I'm eating from it that which is good. And I have to see which way it goes what path that knowledge puts me on. What is righteousness? I can't think of a better example for understanding righteousness than Jesus in Gethsemane. And when we get to Easter, we're going to unpack this a lot further. Because righteousness is, is an acting without prejudice for the well-being of another, not for the well-being of yourself. In fact, righteousness is acting without prejudice to personal harm. That the fact that Jesus died for us was the greatest personal harm anyone could have faced in selflessness. That's righteousness. Righteousness is the attitude of complete self-denial which becomes the doing of good in, in God's eyes. If you want a simple rule to work out if what you're thinking or what you're considering to do is righteous, just ask yourself the question. Is this doing good in God's eyes? It's not man's eyes that matter. It's in God's eyes. What am I considering? What, am I, what do I have before me on my table? Is it going to, to be popular in God's eyes? Is it a doing of right in God's eyes? Because righteousness is the seed, it's the core of his character, and so too it's the core of our character. But the problem is our character was marred when we ate from the tree of knowledge in Eden. And we live, Adam, every day. Now, don't forget that we've been created in the image of God. So we have the desire and the thirst and the hunger for righteousness, to live righteously. If I'm eating from the tree of life, I'll find that. If I'm not eating from the tree of life, that's not going to be fed. So that core will not grow inside me. But it's in the core, it's a core of God's character, it's the core of God's behaviour, it's the core of God's decision making. And it can be our core when we train ourselves in the distinguishing of good and evil. Mankind does not filter his thoughts, his speech or his actions through righteousness. God does. We don't filter our thoughts. Is this a righteous thing to say? Is this a righteous thing to do? Is this a righteous thing to have? When my kids were growing up, they used to get video games with MA15 on them. They didn't last long if I saw them. They used to get videos with that on them. And worse. So I just put it away. They just lost it. It wasn't worth getting into a debate about. Of course, there's only going to be teenagers disagreeing with you. They just lost those things if I saw them. Because when I'm watching things like that, playing violent games, 
I'm not filtering that through is his righteousness. It's teaching me violence. Mankind does not filter his thoughts, speech and actions through righteousness, God does. So if I'm going to be doing that, even with small things like the games you put on your, your Xbox, it's going to be affected if I'm saying, is this a righteous thing to do or not? See, God's fabric is love, but his plumb line is righteousness. We've talked about that a couple of years ago when I was here. His plumb line is righteousness. We think this, this world measures by love. This is a loving thing to do, therefore it can't be bad. Therefore I can do this act or whatever it is that's going through my mind. I'm not going to unpack that. But there's right love and there's wrong love. There's love that'll hurt you and there's love that'll uplift you. There's love that is good for you and there's love that's good for the other person. And then there's love that will hurt other people and hurt you. Now, I don't have to under, un unpack that. You can imagine that very easily. Understand there is right and there is wrong love. But there is not right and wrong righteousness. Because if it's wrong righteousness, it's actually wickedness. If I'm sticking to the rule of righteousness, not the rule of love, I'm going to be thinking like God thinking, like God thinks. God's fabric is love, but it's pure love. It's not impure love. That's what he's made out of. He wants to love. But what he measures by, his plumb line, is righteousness. And thus, this he repeats through the Bible. Now let me give you a couple of verses. Three verses, not a couple, three. But there's a stack of them. He says, this is why we read Isaiah 28. I will, make righteous, I will make justice the measuring line and righteous the plumb line. How does God judge this world? He judges it in righteousness. He doesn't judge it in love. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Note, righteousness and justice are bed partners. They are repeated together often in scripture. Now just imagine God had a, had a, had a body, a corporeal body. And God's literally sitting on a timber throne. God's spirit. We worship him, him in spirit and truth. So he doesn't have a body. But just imagine that. Now that throne that he's sitting, sitting on isn't, isn't constructed out of timber. It's actually constructed out of righteousness. It's what he sits on. It's what, he's, it's what holds him up. And the Bible also tells me that righteousness precedes God. He's surrounded by righteousness. It's almost like a, a buffer zone in front of him, in, in my imagination. Please forgive me if I imagine foolishly. Um, that there's this zone of righteousness that just waves, waves through the air in front of him as he comes. He's surrounded in righteousness. And he sits on righteousness. That's his foundation. And justice. And then it comes and he will judge the world in righteousness. Now we looked at that in Matthew 25, didn't we? For three weeks when we looked at Matthew 25. Because those that aren't in righteousness will be judged and separated from those that are in righteousness. Because in this new paradise that God's creating, the paradise at the end of the Bible, which mirrors the paradise at the start of the Bible, 
There is going to be no evil in it. It's the paradise that's created on righteousness. And how could we have a paradise if there is evil in it? It just doesn't make sense, does it? Because as soon as you've got evil in paradise, you've got wickedness, you've got, uh, you've got fighting, you've got war, you've got violence. Now don't forget, if I read Revelation 12, I can read it again in Isaiah, I can read it again in Ezekiel, there was a war in heaven. Heaven's been familiar with war. When Satan saw himself, he was filled with pride. And it says that he traded in heaven. And what it means when he says, when in Isaiah, says that Satan traded in heaven, it meant that he goes around to all the angels and saying, come and follow me and we're going to take over heaven. And there's war in heaven, Revelation 12. And Satan and the third of the angels were cast down to earth because pride was found in him. God's already had evil in heaven. He's not going to let it back in. It's the same in your house. If somebody came into your house and messed it up, you're not going to let it back in. Once you've got them out, you're going to leave them out. Heaven is the place of righteousness. So how do we distinguish good from evil? The tree of knowledge dilutes and dismisses sin. It also dilutes and dismisses the Bible. And we've talked about that earlier, before Christmas, how the Bible gets diluted and dismissed. Let me tell you another true story. Have you heard of hyper grace? <coughs> hyper grace, H-Y-P-E-R, not hyper, hyper. Have you heard of hyper cars? You haven't heard of hypercars? Oh, we could wax long and lyrical about that. <laughs> You've heard of supercars, you know, Lamborghinis and Ferraris and stuff like that. Well, there's another generation of cars after supercars called hypercars. They're the Zondas and the, uh, the McLarens and the Bugattis. Have you heard of those? Yeah, you know, they, they, they hypercars. The fastest you can get. Pardon? <laughs> uh, maybe there'll be a hyper four wheel drive one day. That'd be a fascination, wouldn't it? Hyper grace is the fruit of the tree of life. Remember, the tree of life, life dismisses sin. So I had a conversation with a fellow for three weeks in a row. We met in a in a cafe. This is probably five years ago, now six years ago. And this fellow was having a fair few troubles which is why we were meeting. Nevertheless, he was continuing with his, uh, with his addiction to pornography because he was troubled and that's where he found his release from his troubles. Now, other people find their release elsewhere, but this is what the, was, was a fairly common thing for a man. And he was uh, too common and he was a Christian man. And he said to me, he said, Jeff, it's okay that I continue to do in this. I continue to do this sin. Because when I got converted, God knew I was going to have these problems and God knew I was going to react to these problems this way. So he's already forgiven me so I can continue to sin. That's knowledge from the tree of knowledge. God frees us from sin. He doesn't want us to be slave to sin anymore. This poor fellow was a slave to sin. 
So in listening to the tree of knowledge, this man dismissed the nature of his sin and said that God was going to forgive him. Paul in Romans 6 says, no, that's not how it works. In fact, the strong words God, uh, Paul writes in Romans 6 says, God forbid that sort of thinking. Can you see what I'm saying about how the tree of knowledge gets things wrong and leads us to wrong places? The tree of knowledge denies all gospel necessities. It denies repentance, forgiveness, necessity of salvation. It denies there's only one way, truth and life. It denies the Bible, it tears the Bible apart, denies heaven and it denies hell. Two thousand year 2000, 2001, somewhere around then, I read something that said there were 2,240 religions in the world. 2240. Now I don't know how it defined religions and I don't know uh, what it said were religions or what it said weren't religions. But if there are 2,240 religions in the world, there are 2,239 that are wrong. All the other ones are lies. There's one way, one truth and one life. That's not proud, that's not arrogant, that's just showing you the road map to heaven. So, to distinguish good from evil, be alert to anyone that denies these truths. Be alert to any inability to receive the truth, as that man did with me about five years ago. Or be alert to an inability to raise words of praise to our Lord. I don't understand it, how people have the Holy Spirit in their heart and then don't want to sing a song for the Lord or give him thanks. There's something in my mind that befuddles me about that, that inability. Be alert to pride, for this too gives way to argument. Remember God, uh, Satan said, did God really say? Ask a question, ready for argument. Pride and argument are brothers in crime. Let me repeat that. Pride and argument are brothers in crime because as soon as one proud person meets another proud person, if they disagree, they're both going to not back down. Now, and I think of the Middle East and the, the proud nations that are in the Middle East that are going to continue to war till Christ comes back because they are proud nations and they will not admit, sorry, they will not submit to righteousness. They'll only submit to war, tree of knowledge. What's it say? Somebody punched you, you punch them back. Tree of life says forgive. Be alert to the inability or the ability to pursue righteousness. See, if you see somebody that wants to aim for holiness, that's being different to other people. You're going to see that they pursue righteousness. Or you see the person that doesn't want to be different to other people, they aren't pursuing righteousness. Be alert to the fruit you see in your life. And the, greatest, the two greatest um, indicators of the fruit you see, whether you're seeing righteous fruit or, or unrighteous fruit, is one what you say, because what's inside of a man comes out of him, and women, her. Be alert to what you say and look at the fallen relationships or non-fallen relationships around you. 
you will understand clearly then what righteousness you're sowing and what wickedness you're sowing. Now, obviously, with relationships, there's always going to be two ways, but you can see then your understanding and your conduct in a relationship. Was it righteous or was it unrighteous? See, I need to train myself to leave the entry levels of Christianity behind, not dismissing them but building upon them. My son, he trains himself every day. He's up at 4am, he's at the gym at 4am before he gets to work. He's training himself to be a really strong man, a really healthy man. But still, he's going to end up as dust. I hope I don't see that. That which lasts forever is that which needs to be nurtured. Train yourself from the entry levels of Christianity and seek righteousness. The pursuit of righteousness is first order and can only ever draw the disciple to the affirming shade of the tree of life. If I decide in my own life, in my own heart, in my own mind, I am going to look through righteousness when I'm conducting behaviour. I'm going to be getting closer and closer and closer to that tree of life and it's a tree that gives me life forever. It will lead the disciple to moral indignation and courage because the Holy Spirit is within. The living of righteousness will lead to unpopularity, misunderstanding and you'll be thought strange of and abused. Israel Flowers, perfect on that. The maturity that arrives from the tree of knowledge unleashes God's true, holy and gracious goodness upon this earth, on an unsuspecting world. But as when Jesus was here, the earth doesn't see the light. It beams heaven's light. It beams heaven's light into mankind's darkness. Now, I found a slide that's um, it's on the internet during the week and I thought I'd put this up just before I um, tie this all together. It's from AWP. Can you guys read that? Is the font large enough? Yeah. Thanks, Kathleen. God, have you heard of AWP? Kathleen, that's because she's in the last service. Arthur Pink. He's a, he's a prophet from the, last, from the 20th century. He actually worked in Australia for two years down in Melbourne. But because he's a prophet, he's writing things that are a bit difficult for people to take. So he ended up living on an island. In, um, in English Channel and writing there. But the interesting thing is, although he was unpopular, he didn't stay more than two years in any church or any place, if you read his history. Although he's unpopular, he lives on today. His writing lives on today. There are, there are a myriad of clergymen from, from 100 years ago, a century ago, who, who don't live on today, but Pink, Pink's words live on. Why? Because he was writing righteousness. He says, I am, the closer I am walking with Christ, the more shall I be misunderstood, ridiculed and detested by the world. Thus to take up my cross means that I deliberately caught the enmity of the world through my refusing to be conformed to it. And that's what the tree of knowledge wants us to become. It wants us to become conformed to its thinking. But that thinking's going to hurt us. Let's tie it all together. The good Lord seeks a harvest of righteousness in our lives, not a harvest of wickedness. This is the fruit of the tree of life, the harvest of righteousness. 
It is the souls of the righteous, not the bodies, it's the souls of the righteous that are made perfect because we're going to get a new body of some description. Righteousness pursued is the divine defeat of the tree of knowledge in our life. I pursue righteousness. I am defeating the wickedness the tree of knowledge would have me do. Righteousness replaces the rule of a man's spirit in his life with the rule of Jesus' Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to get harmed if I've got his Holy Spirit guiding me because then the man is no longer in slavery to sin. Remember, that's why Christ came, to release us from slavery to sin. Now, at the end, Revelation 2, Jesus says in one of his letters to the seven churches, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. We are travelling from one paradise to another. In the final paradise, there is no tree of knowledge, there's only a tree of life. The tree of knowledge has been cast into the lake of burning sulphur in chapter 20. I want that right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Because if I'm eating from the tree of life, I have life and I have life eternal. And I have life eternal and I'm in paradise. End of story. Now, guys, there's a finish line that we have to breast. It doesn't matter how we start the race. We've just got to finish this race in righteousness that we too can eat from the tree of life in paradise. Let's bow our heads. Almighty Lord, we're just humbled that you would teach us your ways and free us from our ways. Almighty Lord, we pray now at this time that you'll help us to understand the filter of righteousness in our lives, that each of us, Lord, will not fear man, but will eat with you in, under the tree of life forever. Amen.